discover the future of fashion, art, and music. Scandal is a co-creative agency, and in this podcast, we explore the creative industry together with creators from Amsterdam and beyond. Uh, today, I'm here with Dennis. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm Dennis de Groot. Um, I'm from Amsterdam, Amsterdam-based, uh, originally from the south of the country. Um, I work as a music consultant and previously was working as an illustrator and artist. Uh, I kind of took a hiatus from that and now I'm mostly mu- music focused. Nice. Okay. And how did you get into music? Like, what came first? Um, um, I think like it's a hard question because it kind of came at the same time. Uh, like, as a kid, I was always always illustrating or drawing and when I had to make a decision on what to do for college it, it became like art school or advertising was sort of a focus immediately but at the same time I was always busy with music making music interested in music um, hanging around in, in like local music scenes and stuff so like music was always there I just it, it came later for me that I realized that I could make a career out of that um, and that kind of came through design and illustration because I had um, I had started working for music clients and the more I was working for music clients the more I realized like oh wait I'm doing a lot more things in music than just you know illustration design wise um, and in a recent couple of years I kind of just made a full switch back to music okay but so like in, in a way, um, illustration came first as, as like more of my, you know, my personal business um, or like what I was doing full time was mostly illustration at first and um, music was sort of a side thing and it kind of switched around. Okay. So illustration was something that you've been doing for a really long time that came really natural to you. Yeah. And then that's how you sustained yourself until your side hustle, which is music, kind of became your main thing. Yeah, I kind of like never realized that the side hustle could be the main hustle in a way. So I did, well, like I was in art school and when I was in art school, I was freelancing on the side. Um, I went to school for graphic design. So uh, before that for interactive design. So I was like making websites, um, making flyers for people, like all kinds of small design um, assignments and along the way um, I started a music blog on the side with friends that was sort of like a hobby and I never saw that as something you know to, to get like my main income out of um, at the same time my illustration work took off on its own and when that happened I kind of didn't like think about it I just went with it and full-on in illustration and after a couple of years I was like wait a minute there's all this other stuff that I do and used to do mm-hmm. that I have more of a passion for than illustration at that point in my life um, okay. so I figured like why not nice and how did you juggle all that kind of stuff I mean um, being busy with client work improving your own illustration and then on the same time you know being busy with building a music platform um, well, so the illustration work went kind of 
organically in the way that I I was working in advertising at the time as a designer um, and you know sort of in my spare time and in my commute every day I would just start like sketching out things for fun and I came like to sort of a realization that I could minimize subjects to like basically shapes and, and very just like bare uh, colors. So I started doing that. I made a series of that and put it on Tumblr. And this is 2010, I think, 2011. And it kind of, like it got a lot of, um, you know, likes and reposts and all that stuff. And then a bunch of blogs picked up on it. And uh, before I knew it, I had an offer from a, um, a publisher to put out a book of this series. And my original plan had been to just make illustrations and maybe one day do an exhibition wow. or something. Um, and before I got to sort of my own goal of making like a hundred illustrations, I had a publisher asking for 50 for a book and I didn't even have 50 at the time. <laughs> so I just kind of finished like, finished them really quickly in a couple of weeks and then made a selection, put out a book and at the same time my contract at the design or at the advertising agency came to an end and I was like, whatever, let me just see what comes out of this, and the book came out, I got a whole lot of um, assignments through that, a lot of new clients, and suddenly was mostly an illustrator. But before that, I, I, you know, I saw myself as a designer, and basically my spare time I was working on a blog, working like DJing, uh, DJing, and all kinds okay. of other stuff. And that, that was really just the thing that I did in my spare time, I didn't really... Um, like we didn't really focus too much on, you know, how fast we would grow as a as a platform or anything. We just were focused on on sharing good music and doing what we like. Nice. Let's go back uh, to the publishing deal for the for the book. Um, that was a completely new process for you. Um. The, as in what? Like, is there anything? That like a main thing that you took away from, you know, going into the publishing world, publishing your own book and yeah. So like the interesting thing about it is that one of the reasons as well that I've ended up switching back to music is that I've found that there's a lot of similarities in, in a lot of creative fields and um, being active in music at the same time as when publisher came around, I realized that there were a lot of similarities between like music deals and publishing deals for books. Uh, so it was new for me in the sense like I had never thought about, you know, publishing a book of illustrations. I never, like I didn't even see myself as an illustrator, so <laughs> it was uh, it was completely new. And then when they came around and they gave me you know, they gave me a proposal or a contract and stuff. It was um, it was very interesting because like it was also just a book of illustrations were not words like none. Mm -hmm. um, it was uh, it's like a map that you open and there's fifty loose leaf illustrations in there so you can you know hang them up and stuff, mm -hmm. um, which was new for the publisher as well. They just knew they wanted to do something with it, and um, like I learned a lot from doing that process and, and you know like seeing what it brings 
um, brings you as an illustrator, as an artist, uh, what you can get out of it, like, you know, like a book deal in itself, unless you're, in, unless you have like a major deal, is not, financially is not that interesting, but you don't have to do it for the money. Um, but what you can get out of it, you know, like in, as far as like a buzz or something is, is kind of like priceless because I think I worked off of that book maybe like three, four years straight. Like right. people, would, like, like after four years, people would still come to me and have an email um, with some images from the book attached and they were like, we want something like this. And this is like, so it's like, a like prime, five years ago. A prime example of, you know, playing it long term and not just looking yeah. for a short term game. Yeah, definitely. It's like, like one of the first things with with a deal like that is like you'll see that it you know like the the end product or the the presentation for the outside world is much more interesting than you know what you have in front of you 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 see the deal and you're like oh that's it but yeah it's 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 very meaningful in the long term and um, also looking back at the work I've done that's like something that sticks out because it's just it's um like it's a tangible product that people have and know and uh, you know people tag me on instagram because they decorated their children's room with illustrations and nice. stuff. it's it's um interesting nice yeah let's talk about uh movement it's a blog that you started that you just mentioned yeah. um how long ago was that the, um i think we started in 2008 or 2009 um it kind of came out of like I, I I'm you know like what they call a digital native and and I was always online um, looking for music or you know sharing music on on different forums and stuff and through that I met um, like-minded people uh, one guy from Rotterdam one guy from Amsterdam as well and um, we like the guy from Rotterdam had started movement and it was really just very basic blog mm -hmm. um, on like I think like, like Blogspot or something just a very basic page where he was sharing new music he came across and wrote a little something about the artist and, and the song and um, the three of us got to know each other and then we figured like okay we can make this into like a you know like an actual like music blog. Um, mm -hmm. So we got together and um, this is, I think is like early 2009 or late 2008. And we, we sort of, you know, professionalized the blog. Um, the three of us would find music, um, you know, share new music, write about it uh, and try and do like offline events as well. Um, surrounding, you know, the same artists or when artists that we were like act actively promoting when they would be in town, we would try and do something around it. Mm -hmm. And um, that went on until like, I'd say around 2015, 2014 uh, is when just like music blogs in general kind of took a, a sort of a dive, like they, mm -hmm. they're not as big as they once were. And right. um, we all like one by one kind of decided to, you know, not like pursue it anymore like it, it's still there people can still go look at it um 
our social channels are still there, but we're well, not doing active. anything with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that was yeah five years then. Yeah, working it on was it was a yeah, and it it had like a clear peak at in I'd say like 2010 or so. We like we were very active. We had like a lot of uh, visitors on the website um, build up a pretty big following like I think it's like something like 30,000 SoundCloud followers oh, and nice. um, so we had like an active community of people that would check for us and would we would you know like pick pick up like new artists and you know sort of break new songs into a certain scene it was all very niche but um, you know, people knew to find us and, and appreciated what we were doing. And as it grew bigger, we did more stuff offline and we worked with um, brands like Red Bull. Um, we did radio shows and we did a lot of stuff on the side. Nice. And that was your very first business that you started? Um, well, at the same time, I already had my, my you know, my own business as a designer. Mm -hmm. um, but that was more so that was kind of like a thing on the side um, that in a way kind of got out of hand and grew way bigger than we ever expected um but i would say that it is the first like sort of venture that i've i've went into that um where i learned a lot of things so like everything i know about basically music industry i I really learned from doing that blog and working with artists closely and um, working with labels and, you know, organizing our own things and stuff. And that came with a, like a steep learning curve, but. What are, it, what are some of the, some of the main things that you learned? Maybe give us like a, a top five or top three um, or something. Well, I learned a lot about, you know, like, um, sort of like strategies for an artist, like release strategy or marketing strategies. Um, I'd say that a lot of that is sort of like trusting your, your instinct and trusting your gut. But with the blog, we had sort of a, a, a way to test our, you know, like our intuition and see if like what we thought that we'd like, if, you know, if that mm. was actually good or not. And, um, seeing if if uh, you know like our ideas if they actually worked outside of the three of us just sitting together discussing them so um we've done uh like we did events and like we did one event that was like a, a beat battle for producers okay uh, that we did together with red bull and it was in the red light district the venue had um a maximum capacity or like it had it had like a downstairs room then mm -hmm. with like the, the room for the parties the battle room and yeah and then upstairs there was a space where there was a radio studio and stuff so originally that was uh, designated to be like sort of the backstage area uh the downstairs room had like i think capacity of max like 100 150 people and when we opened up the doors there were like 300 people outside Oh, wow. So we had to figure out what we were going to do. Like we let the first like hundred in and people just stood outside. Um, so in order to not get shut down, we opened up the, the backstage area for the audience as well. And that let in maybe like another 50 to 100 people. But the other people didn't leave. They just waited so just outside. Packed. And 
waited to catch a glimpse of, of the music, you know, when the door would open or whatever, whatever they could hear, they just hung around there. Um, and that, like that event in itself taught me a lot about like event production and, you know, like the things that you don't anticipate um, that do happen, like mm -hmm. stuff like that. Like, what do you do when, you know, there are more people than you? It's <laughs> a good problem. You always think about the opposite. You always think about like what happens when nobody shows up. But yeah nobody shows up and not much you can do about that in yeah. the moment um but when there are too many people you need to have a solution for that too especially in in our case the police showed up and you know they, they threatened to close the party if we don't find a way to get these people out of there and stuff yeah so that like in in like if we um think about like a top five of things i've learned is like marketing strategies um like event production really um working with artists <laughs> like uh, just in general <laughs> it's probably not it's, not very uh, easy yeah it's it's i mean everybody is is um is their own person so it, it differs a lot but i did find that you know running a blog and being sort of a neutral party to um to artists like we weren't their label we weren't their management we weren't uh you know like uh like we we were basically a a place that they could come to and they knew that you know their um their audience would check what we were doing and it put us um sort of on the, on the same side often where we would share um, the things that the artist would like and you know sometimes that got us into trouble with labels and management and stuff that weren't like anticipating tracks being like essentially leaked online um, mm. but you know we'd get it directly from an artist and be like well they gave it to us yeah um, but yeah it, it taught me a lot about like working relationships with artists themselves and at the same time it also like what I mentioned earlier, I've always, um, I've always learned from both sides of the things that I do. Like I've, I've taken things that I learned in illustration or design or advertising into music and the other way around. And is it mainly the business components of those creative things? Or yeah, I'd I mean, say so. you can study these things in school, of course, and most yeah. people do. And then they kind of come out into the world and and say, okay, I'm going to do exactly that now and make a bunch of money, but. You know, there's the other half is missing still, like the whole client communication, how to negotiate, how to write contracts. And yeah, I mean, starting something like your blog yeah. uh, or us starting something like uh, Scandal. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like a way to learn, you know, it's a guinea pig in the yeah. beginning to see how things go. Because, yeah, I mean, you can study these things in school as well, but it, it's just so theoretical and once you start throwing people into the mix right like you're saying everyone is their own person so it can become quite tricky so yeah there's a like one you know if i look at myself one of the things that i really dislike about my own education is that i didn't learn anything about you know the business side of things like you know obviously i knew how to design things and save files and Mm -hmm. make it print ready and all the <laughs> basics that they teach you and um the weird thing about that is like you work so much on developing 
the talent side that once you are done with school and I had that myself, like my first assignment is like, okay, but how do I make an invoice? Like how, mm. you know, like what, how long am I gonna sit around waiting for my client to pay me? And um, so that like those kind of things were things that I had to learn gradually. And I've always um, like over the past years, especially I've been very big on trying to uh, share you know that that knowledge that I obtained to younger generations because mm -hmm. I'm always like you know younger people need to have the advantages that I didn't necessarily have because it's just like so much is possible now. Mm -hmm. um, I I went to school in giving away my age, but like I went to school in 1998, so uh, you know like there things were different. Like I mm -hmm. went to the library to go online. Um, right. <laughs> for like the first like two three years and then uh you know like everything has changed so it's weird that that you have access to so much you know like knowledge and, and information on your phone or something but like these things in in our creative fields are still sort yeah. of a a secret that people hold on to yeah. so sure i um, mean i i think that you can find a lot of this stuff online but it's always so like it's so stiff, so business oriented. And, or long. Yeah, or long. True, yeah. And if you can find content that's really, really niche and, and that you can relate to, it's so much easier to learn things, you know? Yeah, and I think you you take from, you know, like people like you relate to or, or like um, mm -hmm. before you you take the information from like, a, you know, a, a book that is pretty boring to read or something. Everything is out there, but it's, yeah, it's, it's very basic things like how do I do my taxes mm. and like <laughs> yeah I recommend to get a good accountant because that shit is not worth your time and anxiety because yes. yeah we've all been there yeah and it's um well but it's things like that like a lot of people starting out they'll they'll think like oh but do I need an accountant like isn't that you know isn't that like very expensive is that yeah. not too much for what I'm doing and mm it's not like yeah because you end up just paying the same amount of money right. or more in fines i mean i remember the first time um i just i just moved here and we registered uh scandal in i think beginning of 2017 or something and in the first quarter we didn't have any turnover at yeah. all um so i was like okay well i guess i don't have to file any taxes i mean we didn't make any money and then i get a, a that blue envelope <laughs> that we all hate in With the mail estimate. yeah saying like you owe us five thousand euros yeah. And I call up Kick, my business partner. I was like, what the fuck, dude? We just started this. How are we already 5,000 right. uh, 5, in red? And how are we going to pay this off? And it was all in Dutch, too. You know, I yeah. just moved here. And they refused to communicate in English. And yeah. And then I had to write a letter, print it out, and send it to them. Basically, like, begging them to, you know, reverse the whole process and say, like, explain the situation. And, you know, it's all these mistakes that can be avoided if you just... Yeah. find someone that really knows what they're doing and that can you can, that can walk you through that process um because you know as a creative especially you don't want to focus on those things you want to focus on building your craft right and uh, yeah and that's like it's interesting you're saying that because that's kind of my in the end that's kind of my takeaway so the things that i've learned in you know running my own business as illustrator and designer um are things that i like the business side of things are things that I can take into music. And when I, I'm working with artists are things that I can 
you know, either like take care of or, or find ways for them to, you know, like simplify things and explain things that um, would make it easier for them to focus on what they're doing and like making music or, um, you know, not having to worry about things and, and actually know that some they're talking to someone that's experienced in that field too. So creatively, there's also sides that, um, that I can, you know, that I take into it. And that's, that's mostly from my own experience as an illustrator of artists um, and having had like attention through my book and, you know, like mm -hmm. press, uh, um, like press coming to me and stuff. And it's like, it's things that I learned from that, that, you know, I can switch back to music mm -hmm. and the other way around. Yeah. And I mean, there's always this fine line, especially in the creative industry, between like practical and constructive advice and then subjective opinion. Yeah. You know, studying at a at Amphi here in Amsterdam at the fashion school, you come across this all the time. And a lot of people go to art school that are not, you know, see this every day is that teachers kind of just grade you on their mm -hmm. opinion. And I think that can be dangerous because oftentimes, you know, those people are not even the kind of people that you as a creative want to reach right. or want to appeal to. So, I mean, your experience, how do you differentiate between, or where do you draw that line to not step over into the, you know, subjective opinion when you give advice? It's, well, it's hard because as, you know, when, like, for example, when my book came out as an, as an, like, at the time, fairly new illustrator, like, I mean, I knew how to make illustrations, it's just, didn't see myself as an illustrator um with all the attention it got online it also got you know like negative comments here and there and uh in the beginning i would sit down and read everything <laughs> just like have my feelings hurt over and over um but it took me a while to realize like okay you know certain things are are um like what you said, some stuff is constructive, some stuff isn't. And like, you know, some people are possibly not even your audience. Uh, so with music, what I try to do is, is um, well, I generally choose to work with artists whose music I will like, and I will be very clear about that. Um, when I meet people that, you know, I have to take a liking to what they do. Um, like, I, it's not that I necessarily have to sit down and listen to their music all day, but mm -hmm. I have to sort of understand what they're mm -hmm. trying to do. Um, I think this is really interesting because especially when you're just starting out uh, in a creative industry um, and you get offers and there's money attached to it, you kind of see that first because it's the first paycheck. You're like, yeah, oh, sick. And then you just, you end up doing, you pr prioritize the paycheck over the quality of the work of that person that you're yeah. helping or representing. So that's, it's always a bit tricky, I find. Well, I have a, I have a, like a story <laughs> that goes with that. So I, at one point, um, in the past, I did a lot of VJ work in, in venues. And at one point I got approached by, uh, a big name DJ to join like his, his team, uh, as a VJ. Um, I basically I was flown out to like have a meeting with him um, and because the day I, like there were some unexpected things throughout the day 
uh, we had to postpone our meeting till later in the evening or at night, which meant that um, before I'd had have the meeting, I was able to attend like a, one of his shows slash like nights. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went there and it was like a pretty straightforward like job offer. So it was like I would be a VJ, I'd be on tour with this uh, DJ for 360 days a year, Holy so shit. five days off. The five days off would not be um, would not be like, you know, holidays. They would just be random days in the year. Yeah. Like um, preparing probably for the <laughs> right. next night. And, um, you know, all expenses covered and stuff. So like, and I was, I was pretty young. So like that sounded super interesting. Uh, like you just said, like financially, it sounds interesting. I was kind of starting out. So it's like, okay, this is one hell of an offer. And I went there and I, you know, I had to be at the party the whole night and I hated the music. So <laughs> at the at the end of the night, when we finally sat down, I, I thought about it and I was like, you know, to be honest, I don't think I can do this like 360 days a year because I absolutely hate this music. And I came to the realization that if I'd have, like, if I'd have to do it, whether or not, you know, I'd actually enjoy the day-to-day job. I would be surrounded by that music, like pretty much 80% of my time. And yeah. the time I wouldn't be, I'd be on a plane or in a hotel room asleep. Right. So I was like, yeah, I don't think I can do this. And I think that for me personally was like a turning point where I was like, okay, I definitely don't want to do everything just because, you know, it's an opportunity, it's money. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a hard thing to turn down because like I went back here and, you know, I had to like source all my income together again, mm-hmm. but yeah. <laughs> like, so I turned that down, but like in the end, I feel like I, I, um, I'm happy that I did. Yeah. And at what point in your career was this? Like when were you be able this was to- like really early on, this is maybe like a, I think less than a year into me starting my own business really. Okay. Nice. I mean, it's good that you got to see that that person's show first, because yeah. otherwise you might have made that mistake. And he, of saying, he gave you know, me, um, he did respect the fact that I told him that straight up. Yeah. And he said the same thing. Like a lot of people would take the opportunity without thinking about, yeah. you know, like how they will feel about it. But you, I've I've had enough, you know, like side jobs in the past, like before I started my business when I was in school and before school um that i absolutely hated and like one reason for me to to pursue like a creative career and and start my own business was that i didn't want to end up in situations where i would hate what i do Mm. so you know that's kind of like the advice i give to people too like make sure that what you know if you if you do something like that you you won't end up hating it because like that can also turn into you you know, hating your your whole um, decision of what you're doing, like for sure. Yeah. Like you don't want to, it, like say you're a VJ, you love you love you know that kind of work, and you VJ at the wrong places or for the wrong shows or whatever. Mm. You can absolutely end up hating VJing as a whole. And yeah, true. That's yeah, that's not a productive yeah. thing to do. Big tip: chase happiness, not money. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like I, yeah, I've, that's a good way to put it. I mean, 
money is cool, but mm. um, can't buy happiness. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's true. Yeah. All right. Um, you also say, I mean, big part of that uh, that movement era, and I guess still today is music discovery, right? Yeah. Um, what's your process like? What does music discovery necessarily look like? It has changed a lot. So, like back in the day, it was really just searching the internet for whatever. Um, like a big, big um, part of it in the past was MySpace. So MySpace, a lot of artists had their profiles, a lot of artists had their music on there, and it would simply be like clicking around and listening to stuff, and you know, finding. Um, finding things people might may not have known at the time um when our blog took off it meant that we got a lot of submissions so that it meant you know listening through a lot of stuff that was sent into a um into um our email and, and did that make things easier or harder no that made it harder because we got i think like about 300 emails a day oh wow and i have always been very um adamant on on actually listening to it mm-hmm. and you know like after a while like with something like that with emails you'll you'll learn to filter it um based on you know subject matter and stuff like so sometimes you would click on it you'd be like i already know this is not for mm-hmm. me um but my curiosity was always like oh let me just listen to 10 seconds of it and see what it is um and nowadays, you know, you have all the streaming services and stuff, but I still, like one thing that I personally did is uh, I had been using Spotify for a couple of years and I erased my whole like library. I took everything out, uh, didn't use it for a bit and then started listening to very specific things that I liked to see if the discovery, um, you know, algorithms in Spotify would actually start Hmm. pointing me in directions of things that I didn't know which it actually ended up doing yeah. so that actually worked um, but you know it's it's like as a whole music discovery and the process that I have is just to keep my eyes and ears open everywhere and you know be on if there's a new new form of social media or a new network that people start using I'll sign up and and keep my ears open I go to a lot of shows like I you know like on social media I look at who people tag and who they are and what they make and mm-hmm. listen to it and like I basically never skip over music that's sent my way in whatever form I always always make sure to check it and see what it is because it might be of interest okay and is it is your approach to discovering music different from a dj because i know a lot of times they will go through you know soundcloud and really dig deep to find stuff that no one has ever heard before and if it matches their style then they'll include it in their set or do you kind of uh, take a different approach and really think about okay is this something that um uh, caters to a more wider audience or is it really specific to what i like and then other people have to like it too or well i think it's it's fairly similar i think uh especially nowadays what you say like you know people are are searching through a lot of stuff to you know like especially now djs want to be 
you know, as unique as possible. And everybody plays um, digital files. So it's, that's kind of the go-to for people to, yeah. to search through, you know, social networks and stuff. So um, it is similar, um, but for me, it kind of depends on what the end goal is. So if I'm just, if it's just for myself or, you know, for me to listen to, I'll, I'll be listening to, to whatever, you know, comes to mind. But um, I, I do kind of, for myself, divide music that I find into like, um, sort of like the usability of it. So like certain stuff that I find, I'll find that these artists are not signed and I'm, I'm like, that'll be on my mind. I'll be like, okay, this would be great for, you know, a certain label or whatever. And I try to connect with the artists or with the labels and try to connect people to each other. Um, yeah. so is, that, is that like a, a business model of the blog or how did you end up, you know, making it your main thing for those four or five years? Like, was it more passion and you kind of sought incomes elsewhere or did it really develop into something that was self-sustaining in a way? It wasn't self-sustaining at all. Um, you know, we, we would take donations if people wanted to donate, um, which didn't really happen that often. <laughs> um, you know, in the end, people were really just there to download MP3s, but um, we'd have collaborations with brands or um, magazines and stuff every now and then. And sometimes the label would uh, want to really collaborate and, and, you know, like premiere stuff through us. And that would bring in a lot of, or a little uh, bit of money. But a lot of times what we did with the money is just put it back into the blog and invest mm -hmm. in new things. Um, or, you know, like do something like that beat battle. So it didn't, it wasn't a self-sustaining thing at all of, but for me, like the knowledge of, of um, what I was doing with that, I turned into like different positions, basically in music. So like I, from, from um, being around artists a lot, like I kind of gradually started tour managing people uh, just cause like I would be at people's shows all the time and I knew what needed to happen and I would see things that needed to happen. And, you know, like as I started doing them, um, I started figuring out like, oh, wait a minute, that's something I can actually do. Or, you know, people would reach out and be like, can you help set up shows uh, in the Netherlands or in Europe? And I would help out people. And then, you know, before you know, you're like, oh, wait, I'm doing like event production or mm. tour production. And so it's like a gateway, stepping stone in a way. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I had to take a step back and, and really sort of look at what all these things were that I was doing. and um how they translate to you know sort of jobs or mm -hmm. or like what you were just asking like how it translates to to um like a business model or you know like how what what can you do for artists that's that um can be valuable for them but can also bring in money for both of us and that's kind of like the, those things are the things that i landed on in the end okay so, yeah, what was the, some of the craziest stuff that you saw on tour? <laughs> Especially with musicians. I mean, I don't know what kind of artists you were managing, but 
Well, I kind of hear some crazy shit. Kind of boring, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, not boring. Um, let me think. That's the thing. I feel like if you're on tour for 360 days of the year, it can't be a party every day, can it be? Well, I didn't do the 360 days in the end, but um, the longest I've done is nine weeks at once. Um, and it is sort of like, you know, a lot of people think it's like an extended vacation of, of some sorts, but it's really, it's kind of tough. Like, you you know, you don't sleep a lot. You don't sleep in the most comfortable um, way, usually. Like, you know, tour buses can be can be cool but like you're uh, essentially in a bubble of of this you know like you're with the same group of people for a long time um and you really have to get along and like each other to make that work and there will be days that you don't like each other mm -hmm. but you have to you know like you have to deal with that and understand how that how that like doesn't affect the larger um like your larger goal and you know like there would be days that you absolutely all like hate each other or you know and you just had like a shitty day and you still have to go out and do the work mm. and like i i think like in my positions it's already already a lot better than in the artist position because like i couldn't be the person that has to be on stage and you know entertain after sleeping like two hours yeah <laughs> Like, but um, yeah, I'm I'm trying to think at the same time what what like the craziest things are that I've seen. Um, like, well, it's not necessarily crazy. It's just like after, you know, like certain things. There'll be situations where just uh, you have to uh, like you just have to deal with what's what's going on in the moment and you know like people wanting to sleep and you can't check into your hotel yet so someone will fall asleep wherever you are <laughs> like like it's stuff like that and just, yeah. you know you have to figure out like how how are you gonna um like resolve that yeah so it's like a lot of thinking on the spot yeah it's like a lot of problems quick, quick thinking yeah. and um I think it's it's funny because like essentially what I you know went to school for graphic design and uh, design and creative direction and stuff is a lot of problem solving as well so I feel like I'm always kind of using that side of my brain I'm just doing something completely different with it now mm -hmm. nice um yeah what would be some advice that you would give to an artist that's just entering the music industry now um uh one of the biggest pieces of advice i can give people is to learn to do as much yourself especially nowadays because there the tools are there for you to do you know most of the things yourself um and there are a lot of you know services people um that that will offer you you know like to take things off your hands and and help you out um but as an artist especially as an artist who's starting out uh, who doesn't have the financial uh, abilities to to hire all kinds of people i think it's important for you to really know whether you need things or not and and 
figure out what you're actually good at besides you know making music like maybe you you are uh, good at being your own tour manager maybe you are good at being your own management some people absolutely aren't and they'll know it right away um but don't you know like don't uh shy away from doing things just because you believe that you know like you're an artist and you want to make music and that's what you want to focus on um because in 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 today's industry um it can be it can be pretty hard to, to you know like financially it can be hard uh it can also be very easy for you to to be at a point where you're like more inclined to give up on your dreams than to follow through on them because you feel you know like you can't find an agent or you can't find uh you know the, the the proper support that you're looking for and i had that myself as an illustrator as well where i you know at one point wanted um like i wanted certain assignments i want like i have my goals set and then if it doesn't happen and it and, um you tend to sort of lose focus on what actually is happening <laughs> and you you kind of um forget that you know all these things that you are doing are already very like cool and incredible mm. and you're you you need to see the things that you're capable of doing by yourself and like maybe you you only read you know like like especially nowadays people will will post songs on on you know soundcloud or spotify or something and expect like tens of thousands of streams and when that doesn't happen a lot of times they see it as a like a flop or a failure or something mm -hmm. but what about the like couple of hundred people that are listening like yeah. those people are listening for a reason and you you know like i i always tell people like those people are a fan base already you know like even if there's 500 people listening if those five 500 people are listening consistently you have 500 fans and you know so what does someone else has fifty thousand? yeah like don't don't look at other people too much like i think that's really difficult now though like nowadays with social media everyone's kind of really curating themselves online you just see like the big big achievements yeah. you know the best of the best and yeah it's hard to or it's easy to lose sight i think like yeah you're saying like and focus on yourself stop looking at other people and a lot of people you know like special especially social media instagram stuff um People don't share their failures like they share their success or at least um, the illusion of it. <laughs> like, yeah, for sure. You know, and it's it's like you said, it's curated content and it's content curated for likes. It's not necessarily like a one-on-one -on -one glimpse uh, into people's lives or careers or behind mm -hmm. the scenes or something. And I do think like starting artists or starting creatives as a whole like whether that's like photography, illustration, um, music, whatever. I think it can be really hard to, you know, like imagine if you start your Instagram account right now and, mm. you know, you have to build a following and you see, you know, maybe people you know or don't know, but like they have, like they're already at like 10,000 followers or something. You you'd think like, well, I never get there. But at the same time, I know illustrators that, they straight up do not have an Instagram account or are 
musicians that do not have, um, yeah, that don't have social media, just don't have it. And they're like, screw it. So that like, that's another, like, as far as social media goes, that's another thing I always tell people, like, be on the channels that you know how to work with. Like, mm -hmm. don't have a Twitter account just because it's expected, because if you don't use it, it's pointless. Yeah, for sure. And if you know how to, you know, like you see that with a lot of people too, they'll have like a lot of followers on Instagram, but they won't have anything on Twitter or on Facebook or whatever. Like why even have that account? Mm. Like might as well not. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you can't sustain it or have someone to do it for you, yeah. then, you know, it's just a way to let people down. We're like, oh, he has a Twitter. And right. Then, Oh, the Twitter's terrible. Well, yeah, especially if people start following you and there's no content or right. it doesn't match what, you know, what they are used to from you. Yeah. So, like, focus on your strengths, I would say. Yeah. And find them. Yeah. It takes a bit of time. <laughs> it does. It takes um, years sometimes. Yeah. That's another thing. Like, you know, people, you know, same with, with our company, um, people are always like, oh, you guys are doing so well. You're doing so many things and, and this and that. And yeah, I mean, that's what you see, but behind the scenes, you know, we're struggling as well. It's right. not like we have it all figured out. You know, we're all learning and uh, step by step, I'm sure we'll get there, but you know, it, people can sometimes get the wrong impression. Like there's a whole, yeah. a whole backside to it. Well, I had that with my book as well. Uh, like I said in the beginning, you know, like putting out a book is not interesting financially i mean it you know it's not like totally not interesting it's just like it's not it doesn't match what you know what people see so like my book for example was carried in in moma and the tate and like people would see it there so people automatically think like oh you're doing really mm. good and it's like not nah, well i still have to work <laughs> every day like <laughs> i've no, made it's it not, yet yeah. i can't sit back and just live off of sales of the book or something like it's still like i still have to look for assignments i still have to bring in money and um you know especially like the more things i did that had um you know big name brands or something attached it would be like oh you're doing fine and like something that comes with that is that people will also automatically assume that you're too busy so you know like people might be interested in working with you or hiring you or whatever. And they'll see your, you know, they'll see your social media and they'll be like, oh, but he's working with such and such. So mm -hmm. like, he probably doesn't have time for me. And that's why I'm not like completely for just sharing, you know, like a, a like heavily curated content. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm always trying to sort of yeah. at least be open. And it happens now with, with like stuff like Instagram stories, like yeah, yeah, for they're sure. more like, you know, it's behind the real, scenes yeah. glimpses. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And to wrap this things up, uh, this thing up, uh, I'd like to ask you a bit about uh, the Amsterdam music scene specifically. Um, how would you uh, compare it to, you know, other cities and what do you think is unique about it or what do you think is missing? Um, it has always been very, like it's always been a, like a very active and lively scene, um, which is something that I've noticed more and more as 
as uh, as I would leave the city more. You know, like every big city has like a great music scene generally, but like Amsterdam is unique in the sense that people are really good here. Like there's a lot of people that are at a just working at a really high level and like if you for example look at the dj scene here um like technically speaking the djs are really good and if you compare that to, to like dj scenes in other cities other countries there's a like there's a huge difference that i see so like there's also the the fact that um there are certain standards in in amsterdam or in the netherlands in general like as far as clubs go, you know, like there's certain equipment that you know, have to know how to use. And then, you know, I'll be in another country and look and people are DJing with whatever they can use, basically, mm -hmm. like controllers and stuff. And, you know, not to say that that's bad, but like in Amsterdam, for example, that's like I have never walked into a club and seen anybody like DJ off of a controller because it's just not the club standard is not really like it's not that it's not accepted it's just not done mm. and the fact that people have to know how to use things and you know there's lots of competition and people are you know really good that means that everybody is very eager to to prove themselves and going hard at um being the best at what they can do nice all right and is there anything you'd like to see more of in Amsterdam in the scene um like more diversity i'd like to see more um inclusive parties i'd like to see more women get you know like nights and get main dj spots at festivals and like speaking um at like conferences like that's something that is actively being you know like criticized and worked on it just can be better Mm -hmm. well let's end it at that okay some good advice thanks. let's make it happen uh thanks for coming thank you uh, for, for those me. of you watching if you got some value out of this make sure to follow dennis on whatever social media you're using whatever you like <laughs> like best and whatever you're uh you're good at um yeah ours our podcast is available on basically all the podcasting platforms you know apple podcast spotify youtube you name it and uh yeah Thanks again. Thank Until next you. time.